freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches it's critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Happen. Today is Tuesday, May 18th, 2010, and this is the show where we discuss human business, mind control, sovereignty, cult, natural law, everything that affects the freedom of the people of Earth. That's what we do on this show, and we try to get down to the causal factors of why we experience what we do. So let me give the websites and the call-in number. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. I'm your host, Mark Passio. The network's website is revolutionbroadcasting.com. You can listen to this show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The call-in number, 347-884-9417. Once again, that's 347-884-9417. Anytime you want to call in, just give a call. There are no taboo topics on this program. You can talk about anything you want. And... Um, Feel free to call in at any time. When you call in, please hold on the I check the switchboard from time to time during the course of the show. So uh, when you do call in, please hang on until I get to you. I will get to you. So with that having been said, um, I'll jump right into the announcements for this week. I always uh, start the show. Uh, if there are events coming up, particularly in the area where I live, which is the Philadelphia area, um, I'd like to start off the show with some event announcements about things that are going on locally. So, the first one is coming up Monday, June 21st. Monday night, June 21st, 7 o'clock p.m. The group, the great group, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity, 
Their website is truthfreedomprosperity.org. They are presenting a free documentary showing and discussion at the Ethical Society Building. The Ethical Society of Philadelphia is at 1906 South Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia. And the documentary that they will be on Monday, June 21st at 7 p.m. is Generation Rx, a phenomenal documentary. Very conscious individuals. And um, it is about the dangers that the pharmaceutical industry, the pharmaceutical cartel is inflicting particularly upon the youth of this country and indeed around the world. And uh, this is a film that I think anyone who has children should see because it does particularly focus in upon the dangers of pharmaceutical drugs uh, given to, to children in their developmental years. So that's Monday, June 21st at the Ethical Society Building, 1906 South Rittenhouse, 7 o'clock p.m. Free showing and discussion afterward of Generation Rx. For more info, check out truthfreedomprosperity.org. So the second announcement and the final one I have is an event that I'm personally involved with and I think is probably the most important upcoming event and conference in the Philadelphia area for uh, uh, the whole summer. It's the Nikola Tesla and Independence Celebrations. Philadelphia, PA, July 9th, 10th, and 11th. I'll read the press release. The Tesla Science Foundation brings together scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts for a three-day conference highlighting the need for a new energy paradigm. And folks, if you see the disaster that is unfolding in the Gulf of Mexico as we speak, the greatest ecological disaster of human history, if you can't see that we need a new energy paradigm, witnessing that play out right now, I don't know what to tell you. The age of oil shouldn't have even begun and gotten to the level that it was at if we would have heeded the, the genius and the wisdom of a brilliant in Tesla who was only trying to bring free energy to the people of the earth for our betterment. And human greed and control factors intervened and prevent that vision from becoming a reality. Well, that's what this group is working to try to reestablish, to try to make the vision that Tesla had for the future of energy and the future of humanity become a reality. And they're doing some great work toward that aim. So this July in Philadelphia, the Tesla Science Foundation will be hosting a three-day conference and celebration to commemorate Nikola Tesla's legacy and world vision. Tesla was a brilliant inventor who lived during the turn of the 20th century. His innovations resulted in the implementation of alternating current, radio, the AC motor, wireless technology, and many other influential inventions that we now take for granted in the modern age. Tesla's vision to bring clean, free energy to the world through advanced wireless technologies was blocked by the financial and corporate interests of his time. Through this event, the Tesla Science Foundation will bring together like-minded scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts 
who share the common goal of bringing Tesla's advanced energy technologies to fruition for the betterment of humanity. Here is the schedule of events. The Tesla birthday bash. Tesla was born on midnight between July 9th and 10th, 1856. This will be happening on July 9th at 10 p.m. It'll go from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. at the Independence Visitor Center at Independence Mall National Park. That's at 6th and Market Streets in Philadelphia. This event is free to attend and there will be demonstrations of live Tesla coils at the event. They're going to have the equivalent of Tesla fireworks. They're going to uh, set those coils firing at, at about around midnight when Tesla was born. So that's the Tesla birthday bash, July 9th, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., Independence Visitor Center. That's free. Also, a free event the next day, all day, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., Tesla Fest. This is an outdoor festival on July 10th at the same location, the Independence Visitor Center, 6th and Market Streets in Philadelphia. It will feature uh, exhibits, vendors, information, art, music. This is for, you know, tourists passing through, people who just want some information on Tesla, maybe don't know much about them, want to learn a little bit more, want to come out and have some fun. Um, it's kind of geared for um, Someone who, again, doesn't know much but would like to learn a little bit um, and uh, become, you know, a little bit more involved in, uh, in, in, in understanding who Tesla was and his vision. So that's the Tesla Fest, July 10th, at the Independence Visitor Center. For the uh, Tesla enthusiast, there will be presentations and lectures going on the same day, July 10th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., this is going to happen at the Free Library of Philadelphia at 1901 Vine Street. It's a great lecture hall. It fits about 400 people. This event is free to attend. The lectures and presentations on Tesla and his technologies are free to attend July 10th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I have the honor of emceeing this portion of the event, of the conference. I will be introducing the presenters and speakers at the Free Library. Here's the, uh, the list of speakers thus far. Mr. Russell Anderson, who will also be demonstrating an anti-gravity device based on the technologies of T. Townsend Brown. So uh, Russell Anderson will be speaking. Also Michael Kelly, Tatiana Militic, Michael Treat, Mono Davina, Michael Craner and Brian Yetzer. This event is free to attend. At um, that evening, July 10th, there will be a reception, dinner, and concert. The pricing is still as of yet to be announced, but I know that it will be under $25, which is a steal for a night out of uh, a dinner and some entertainment. So the dinner and concert will be July 10th, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Arch Street Meeting House. That's at 320 Arch Street. This will feature the Divine Hand Ensemble, which is centered, is a, an orchestral uh, ensemble that is centered around the electronic instrument known as the theremin. Check out the Divine Hand Ensemble's website at www.divinehand.net. So that's uh, July 10th, 6 p.m. 
and the the uh, the main portion of the entire conference is the scientific conference, which is bringing together scientists who want to work on Tesla's technologies and bring them to actual manifestation and and practical usage. So this is kind of the centerpiece of the entire event. It is going on for two days, the scientific portion of the conference. This is July 10th and 11th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 2 Liberty Place on the 32nd floor. Liberty Place is at 1601 Chestnut Street. This will feature at least 10 scientifically oriented presentations. These presentations are not geared for the layman, but the technical uh, professional and scientist. So um, keep that in mind. This event uh, is not free. Registration is required. Uh, I don't know the exact pricing, but you can find that out and you can register for the event at the Tesla Science Foundation's website, which you can also see for emerging details on the conference. And that website is www.teslasciencefoundation.org. That's teslasciencefoundation.org. Uh, also, to keep abreast of any developments and uh, future uh, meetups of this great group, you could join the Tesla Club meetup group at ntesla.meetup.com slash 38, the number 38. So that's ntesla, n-t-e-s-l-a dot meetup.com slash 38, 38. So those are the event announcements. And I will now get into a very brief recap of what we've talked about up through this point. Um, tonight we are going to continue with last week's topic, which we were delving into the barriers to realization, to self-realization. So it's what I call the barriers to the realization of the true self, self with a capital S, the higher self the self that is not trapped at lower levels of consciousness and ego attachment. There are barriers to this that we must transcend, that we must overcome, that we must break through like walls that have been built up around us. We have to break down those barriers to come to a place of non-dual consciousness, non-opposition within ourselves. And that's what we were discussing last week. This week, I don't think I'm going to get into a full review of what we talked about in previous weeks. What I do want to do is I want to recap the barriers to the realization of the true self. And I want to briefly recap the first one, which we talked about in the entire time last week, which was the five sense illusion. And particularly, I spent a lot of time last week going into an experiment known as the double slit experiment, or the experiment which illustrates the quantum mechanical concept known as the observer effect. So last week's show got a little bit scientific. It went into a little bit of, of uh, uh, the explanation of a technical experiment. I don't think it went overly technical. I think people were able to understand how that experiment was set up. I gave a, a visual um, uh, interpretation of the observer effect on the website, uh, on the podcast section. So 
for those who don't know, all of these shows are archived after the show is completed, and I upload them to the podcast section on my website at whatonearthishappening.com. You could then click the podcast tab, and all the shows are archived there, and there are pictures, there are related images underneath the, the, the podcast itself. You can click any of those uh, numbers there, and it will bring up the images that I spoke about uh, related to topics that I spoke about on that particular show. Uh, on last week's podcast, I put a link to a video that you could click. Uh, it says related video, and then it has the double slit experiment. You click that link, and it will open a new browser window to a YouTube video explaining the observer effect uh, experiment known as the double slit experiment. That'll uh, probably solidify better in people's minds what this experiment was really about and what it truly demonstrates. So I'll, I'm going to recap now the barriers to the realization of the true self, and then I'll briefly recap the first one. Then we'll get into number two. And uh, along the lines of discussing um, the second barrier to realization, I have a guest in studio with me today, Mr. Walter Rhodes, who I'll be bringing on shortly to further flesh out and discuss the concept of ego identification and attachment, which is one of these barriers to self-realization. So the barriers to the realization of the true self, I list them as four main barriers. These are walls that we erect ourselves around our own consciousness, which block us from our true potential. These are the five sense illusion. That's number one. Number two, ego identification and ego attachment. Number three, the prison of the left brain. The left brain only modality of consciousness divorced from the right brain modality. This is intellect divorced from wisdom. We may, be, we may have time to get into that topic a little bit because I think it's directly related with the second barrier, ego identification. So we'll touch on that tonight. And the fourth is attachment to institutionalized belief systems. These are all of the institutional structures that we have erected in our world and around us that make our beliefs concretized. We, they make them hardened like stone. And we, do, we aren't flowing in what we are willing to accept as reality, what we are willing to look at and understand because these institutionalized structures have hardened our beliefs to the extent that it becomes too dissonant, too painful for us to look outside of those boxes of those institutions and realize that many of them are extraordinarily corrupt and not moral and not leading to higher levels of awareness and consciousness and the betterment for anyone. They are simply keeping us in a veritable prison of the mind and a veritable prison 
for our consciousness and our evolutionary growth and development. So those are the four main barriers to the realization of the higher levels of awareness, the higher self, as I referred to it in former shows. So over the last couple of weeks, I've been breaking down and fleshing out the first topic, the first barrier, which is the five sense illusion. This is the notion that one, matter is solid and that it is essentially purely mechanistic, that there is no underlying fundamental intelligence in consciousness that governs matter, that actually allows matter to express itself in certain ways that teach lessons, that encourage evolutionary growth in consciousness, and that when we understand how the, those deeper aspects of matter are governed in consciousness, it helps us to understand how we create the reality that we create. So not understanding those things, believing in the total solidity of matter, believing that, that the universe is a mechanized, purposeless, purely random place, not governed by any higher law or higher intelligence, and certainly one in which consciousness does not play a critical, entangled, and vital role, is a trap. This, this way of seeing the world, this worldview, is a trap for consciousness. And it makes us experience things that we don't need to experience if we weren't in such a level of ignorance about how, how the physical reality is really structured and is really a construct for experience. So I began breaking that down two shows ago, and last week I got into an experiment known as the double slit experiment, which explained in no uncertain terms, in very scientific terms, how matter is essentially pure energy that is a wave form. It is a wave function. What does that mean? What that means is that when you get right down to the very basic fundamental building blocks of matter, which is what we're all made of, which is what indeed everything in the physical reality that we live in is made of, you understand that it is only a potential to exist. It is a wave potential. This means that it contains all the possibilities within it that could manifest. But we don't really experience reality like that. We don't experience reality on the level that anything that could happen happens. In our linear progression through reality that we call time, we experience a set of manifested realities, things that actually do occur. One thing does actually occur. We call that the present moment, what is actually taking place. I would go farther and say that is actually what the truth is. The truth is that which actually manifests from the possibilities, all the wave form potentials that existed in what we refer to as the past. So this is deeply intertwined with the concept of time, linear time as we experience it. 
I won't recap the experiment. It's up on the website. If you want to look uh, on the podcast section and watch the video, you can get a, a deeper grasp of it, uh, much deeper than I could probably express in explaining it through words on a radio show. So I encourage everyone to watch that video. And I left off the, the program last week saying that if, you aren't, if your mind isn't blown by what you understand, when you do deeply understand the quantum double slit experiment and the observer effect, then you really did not understand it. Um, this is such a profound and extraordinary discovery that it, it really shows us that consciousness determines what we experience. And I want to just briefly touch on a little bit more about what I mean by that. When the observer is looking for something to be there, that is when something becomes present and is there. Matter is not solid until there is consciousness observing it. What dictates the manifestation from the possible waveforms, the possible wave functions, that are all contained in that waveform that we call the past that collapses down to the present moment and becomes an actual series of events, an actual event in the present moment, is the quality of our attention, the quality of consciousness. So if we're not really paying attention, we're going to get a non-desired result that comes into manifestation. If we shift or alter the quality of our attention, we will be more in tune with being able to shape the manifested result and bring it into alignment with what we feel is more beneficial to us and the experience we wish to have. This is how the fulfillment of a desire comes about. See, I don't agree with some schools of, for example, Buddhist thinking, or it isn't really original Buddhist thinking. It is what I would call almost a, a new age Buddhist approach that claims all desire is suffering. That is not the original Buddhist teachings. The original teachings of the words of the Buddha are that attachment to desire is what leads to suffering. And we can get attached to desires that really have nothing to do with our true betterment, that have nothing to do with reality, that have nothing to do with natural law, but are all rooted in what we're going to talk about tonight as the second barrier to self-realization which is the ego, which is ego identification and attachment to that level of consciousness. So the observer effect that I spoke about last week is deeply interwoven into this concept of ego identification because if the quality of attention through which we are observing the physical world is, is a low quality, is of low consciousness, is of low awareness, is of pure ego, self-satisfying quality, 
we are not going to collapse that potential wave function in very beneficial ways. See, it isn't the desire itself that's going to create suffering. When you have a desire, that's okay. I don't believe that we should try to purge all desire. You'll never hear me say that on this show. It's not, that is not what I think the goal of consciousness and the goal of where we should try to be getting to in our understanding of ourselves. I don't think that's where we want to really go. I think we want to try to understand that if we have a desire for betterment, that's okay. Attachment to it may create suffering. You know, desires come and go. They are a wave in themselves. They rise and then they fall. They rise and then they fall. Observing that helps us to get past attachment to the desire. Understanding you're going to have another desire to eat. You're going to have another desire to have sex. You're going to have another desire to sleep. They rise and fall. They are, they are sated or not sated, and then they fall away. And if they intensify and you are holding deep attachment to them, that's when we experience suffering. That's when we feel pain. So the desire itself is something that needs to be understood, watched, and the, the, the outcome, the attachment to the outcome released. That's what I believe the true spirit of Buddhism had in mind when it talked about how attachment to desire creates suffering, not the desire itself. You can have a desire for a better world. And if you want to bring that into manifestation, then you do the things that are required to make that happen because all desires do have requirements. That is simply a statement of fact, of truth. If you want to sate thirst, if you want to alleviate thirst, you must drink something. Now, getting into the attachment, oh, why is the desire of thirst here? That's going to create more suffering. You know, thirst can be a, a mild discomfort, and you can sate it or not sate it, but if you're going to get into the attachment to it, that's when you're going to feel even more suffering. So I think there's a big distinct distinguishment between those two states. Just the desire in place, understanding that it can be fulfilled or not, and the requirements to fulfill it, if it's present, is different than the attachment to the desire. So... Um, that goes hand-in-hand, hand again, with the observer effect, and it also goes hand-in-hand hand with the main topic for this evening, which is ego identification, attachment to ego. Okay? So I just wanted to go back a little bit and talk about the, how the observer effect really is related to what manifests in our reality. And it, the way that it is related is based upon the quality of our attention. What do we pay attention to? What do we talk about? What do we do with our time? All of those things collectively are what is collapsing the wave function and bringing all of those potentials that could exist in that void okay, in the void of potentiality. It's what's bringing all of those potentials and collapsing them down to that which we do get in the present moment, okay? Again, 
the quality of our attention, what we pay attention to, what we talk about, what we do, what we work toward, collectively, as a whole, in all of the consciousnesses of all of the people on this planet, when all of those are factored in, that's why this is called a quantum wave function. It's made of an amount. Uh, see, people that talk about that amount isn't important, they aren't realists either. Amount totally determines the, the, the progression of the wave function of what we get in the present moment. And sadly, too few people are moving toward the collapsing of that wave function through the quality of their attention in a positive way. And too few by not understanding how this principle works and being attached to the five sense illusion of materiality and obsession with the physical world and obsession with an attachment to the, the fulfilling of their egoic desires are collapsing that wave function in a way that is becoming progressively uncomfortable and creating more and more chaotic expressions in the present moment. That's what the whole purpose of this show is, folks, to try to explain how these natural law principles work. I don't claim to believe that this is how it works. I claim to be one of the many, many people that have discovered and accept the fact that this is how it works. And you, anybody listening, anybody I know, you can call me as a, a self-absorbed or egoic or whatever you want by making that claim. In the three-dimensional space-time continuum that we live in, I do understand how this natural law principle works. I don't claim to be special as a result of understanding it. I don't claim to be better than anyone else as a, uh, as a result of understanding it. But if I told you I did not understand that basic natural law principle and how it works to, to, to create what we are getting, I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't. It is a simple statement of fact of what I understand. If you understand how the law of gravity works, or you understand how a law of thermodynamic work, th thermodynamics works, it would not be ego of you to say, yes, I understand how that law works, and if you drop that object from that height, it's going to hit the ground at this acceleration. That would be a statement of understanding of a law that is in effect. It has nothing to do with thinking that you're better than anyone else. Uh, I just want to make that clear. So I am not claiming this as my belief. I am stating it and uh, attempting to help others to discover the same principles which I have come to a, an understanding of. And that, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm making that statement. So um, just wanted to do that before going forward, that these are laws which I am explaining. They're, they're, they're rules which we are bound by if we live in the three-dimensional space-time continuum called space-time, period. If we live in this continuum, which, you know, if anybody has a way to completely get out of that, let me know, 
Okay? But as long as you're living in, in, in the laws that govern this continuum of reality, you're bound by them, period. These laws do not have exceptions. They are 100% in effect at all times and places. This is how consciousness creates reality. That's what we're ultimately talking about here. And what we're talking about is the barriers to realizing how these laws work. Why don't we understand this as a whole? Why, don't, why are we getting things that we don't really want in our experience? Why are we experiencing self-inflicted suffering? Well, it's because we don't understand how these laws work, which was part of the first um, part of the barriers to realization, largely due to being identified with the five senses. We're so identified with the matter, we don't understand the laws that arrange and govern the matter or the expression of it, which we call the events of our lives. We don't understand how they're being arranged like that through the underlying intelligence in consciousness. That's what is a rearranging the field to give us what we are getting. And the only way we're going to ever get anything better than what we're getting is to come up in consciousness so we become conscious co-creators of reality in harmony with the natural laws of nature. That is the main creative force of the universe. The other creative force is our own free will. When our free will, through a rise in consciousness, comes into harmony and unison with the laws of nature, then we will be at one with those forces. We will be able to practically command them. Some people will say that he was a dark occultist. Some people will say that Francis Bacon was simply someone that understood these laws and these principles. He was a, a, a master Rosicrucian in the 1600s, and he made a statement that nature to be commanded must first be obeyed. If we ever want to get to the level of evolutionary development where nature would be at our beck and call and would would align itself, its much greater will, with the will of our desires for ourselves, the only way that can ever come about is if we discover the, the, the principles of natural law and live in harmony with them. Period. The end. The end. There is no escaping that. There is no getting around that. Law with a capital L is not going to be broken by us. It is in effect. We are bound by it. What our job is, is to discover it, come into harmony with it, live in accordance with it, and then we will know harmony, then we will know peace, and then we will know freedom. And not a second until. Not a second until. So, the first barrier, five sense illusion. I think we've covered that, and I've explained the dynamics fairly concisely. So, we're going to go into the next barrier to realization this evening. And we'll continue that through the remainder of the show, unless we have any callers call in that want to talk about anything else or bring up anything related to this. So the second 
the second barrier to self-realization is ego identification. This is totally related to the other barriers. It's related to the five sense illusion and it's intricately related to the prison of the left brain. How so? First of all, what do we mean when we say identification with ego? What are we talking about when we say ego? We're talking about identifying with the roles that we play in life. Not understanding the deeper aspects of consciousness and self, but identifying with the lower case S self. Okay? I am a security guard. I am a teacher. I am a railroad engineer. I am a soldier. I am a housewife and mother. Okay? These aren't who we are. It's not who we are down at the deep, deep, deep level. The level of self with a capital S. At the level of self with a capital S, we would say I am, period, nothing after it. We are being. We are consciousness. We are aliveness. We are life. We are dynamism. We are intelligence. We are self, capital S, period. No further explanation required. We are the expression of the all. These things that we identify with are simply roles that consciousness takes on in the flesh suit, so to speak. These are roles that we play here, down here on the stage in the physical realm. So we're not the mother of someone else. We're not the father of someone else. We're not the child of someone else. We're not the soldier. We're not the cop. We're not the banker. We're not the golfer. We're not the businessman. These are roles. When, through forgetting our true nature, but the true higher aspects of self, we become identified with the role and we forget the true higher self. This is ego identification. Then my life is about my business. My life is about the role I play in the government institution I'm a member of. My life is about being that cop. My life being that sports um, celebrity or being that, that, that high-paid athlete. My life is about being that actor on that famous television show. See, there's a huge difference between those things. Between understanding who and what we really are and becoming truly self-actualized beings. Capital S, self. And then totally becoming absorbed, absorbed, attached, and obsessed even to the level of obsession with the role that we are playing in life. 
See, that's not who we are. That's what we're doing. You're doing the job of desk clerk. You're doing the job of um, actor. You're doing the job of banker. However, that isn't who we really are. So, to talk about the idea of ego attachment to the, to, with the identification of the roles that we play in life and believing that they are the true self, what I'm going to do now is introduce and bring on a good friend of mine, Mr. Walter Rhodes. He is from the Philadelphia area. He is an independent researcher. He is a explorer of many Eastern consciousness traditions, and he is a seeker of truth. So he's going to come on and talk with us a little bit, and we'll have a discussion, and we'll, we'll fire um, opinions and observations back and forth for the remainder of the program tonight about ego identification. So, Walt, welcome to What on Earth is Happening. It's great thank to have you. you here. Thank you. Thank you. So, come on in a little closer and sure. talk directly into the mic so everybody can hear you. Um, so, why don't you just chime in on what I have talked about so far in relation to ego identification as a barrier to self-realization and give us a little bit of your take on that, and then we'll go back and forth and discuss it a little bit. Okay, this, this may be um, a little bit different from the way you were going about it, but you read in popular literature how ego is illusionary. It's illusionary. It's illusionary. seems to me the most prevalent illusion out there. Everybody has an ego. Every single, I mean, even, it almost seems as though animals have egos in a way. So I wanted to figure out where, where it comes from, evolutionarily speaking. What I found is um, through, through reading various things that ego developed early on as a, as a species. So if we're walking through a forest and a tree branch breaks, if we have no ego, we will not recognize that tree branch as other. Yes. So it will fall on your head and crush you. Yes. So the ego was developed to self-preserve, to preserve the organism. Agreed. To see the separation not to be ruled by it. That's right. Now the separation seems to rule. Yes. Um, like I was saying to you before it started, we're born into this world and we pick elements of popular culture that we're fond of to build an ego itself out of. So we pick literature, music, sports, dance, all these things, and we build itself out of them. Wouldn't you agree? Sure. Everybody does it. Sure. The funny part of that is the things that people cling the most to out of their list are the things that make them forget about themselves. Right. For the example. Himself. Yeah. So an athlete um, will cling to the fact that he loves being an athlete. Now, when he's playing that sport, he totally forgets about himself. He's 100% wrapped in it. So it's a total disillusion of self in that activity. Somebody that listens to music. They lose themselves 
in the act of listening to the music. Um, and all these, these, these ego attachments, I mean, the ones that people cling to the hardest seems to be the ones that make them forget about themselves. It's weird. I agree, and that's an interesting um, aspect that you brought up. And the aspect that, I, that you brought up that I could not agree with more is that the ego in and of itself isn't a problem per se. It's the attachment to the ego. It's the identification with it, believing that it is our true identity. That's why I list the, the barrier as not as ego, period, but as ego identification. Or ego attachment. Exactly. Right. Correct. Because, like you said, ego is simply an evolutionary development that allows us to see ourselves and understand that if I don't get out of the way of the falling huge tree, I'll be crushed, and then I won't have a, a body to experience, you know, uh, the, the three-dimensional world and grow in, in evolution. Of so it's important to have an ego. Sure. Preserve yourself. The ego is a tool for the, the three-dimensional aspect of self. Right. It, it, it's like ego is, it's been described by some researchers, I can't remember off the top of their, my head who brought this up, but... Ego, when we're both sitting at a table, let's say, as an example, ego is that which allows me to take my fork, scoop up some food, and put it in my mouth instead of yours, right. okay? Right. Because I know I need to take that into myself, okay? Mm -hmm. So, like you gave was a great example. If you don't get out of the way of a physical object coming your way, you're going to experience pain and suffering and possibly death. That's what the ego is intended for, to be intended to be used as a tool to end the level of physical separation between the, the body and the objects that are in the physical world. Right. But it seems that ego uh, took over the house, so to speak. It took over the temple of self. Well, because there's no self-discipline. Uh, what I mean by that is it's okay to have likes. <clears throat> it's okay to have dislikes. It's even okay to be attached to things because we're human. If you have no self-discipline, right? If you have no self—not not outside imposed discipline, but actual self-discipline—you have no control over those attachments, and then they rule you, right? So it's self-discipline, which is the important balance. To balance a mammoth ego, you have to have a mammoth self-discipline. Right. This so is right. what I I brought up on former shows as the concept that I call dominion or true rulership of self, self-governance in other words, mm -hmm. and what many people term sovereignty, which is the true way out of the mess that we have created for ourselves. And I believe that you can only attain that when you understand the, distinct, the distinction between the lowercase s self, the physical body, and the higher self, higher level of awareness. And to do that, you must release your identification and attachment to ego. Right. And it's a process that these processes go hand in hand. And we're going to talk a little bit about, if we can get to it tonight, the left brain prison, the way of seeing the physical world in a purely left brain way. The educational system keeps this going in the, in the Western world. Um, the uh, the um, uh, types of media that we watch and are exposed to constantly, uh, even a lot of the diet that we eat. Um, is cutting off of our uh, uh, 
cutting us off from being able to have a full expression of self through getting in touch with the, the sacred feminine qualities that are imparted uh, and we are able to experience through getting in touch with the right brain hemisphere. Oh, see, this, this kind of plays right in there. What I was saying earlier about how people get attached to the, um, to the ego, to them, to the activities in their life that help them forget about themselves. Right. Like music and art and dance and sports and whatever. People are most attached to that because while they're doing it, they lose themselves and they unite with that force when right. they're in that zone. Right. That helps them attach with that great feminine force. Right. With that unknown. So in a way, the ego attachments that people hold so sacred are not misaligned or misguided. They're the things that keep them in touch with right. the force and the power that right. is. But then they start when they they're not in that perspective. Zone. Right. They don't have the perspective to see it the what it is. Right. Right. When they're not in that zone, they're attached with the actual activity, with it, with identifying with this is who I am. This is what I'm Right. Because that can't exist in, in the zone. In that zone, they're feeling that oneness. Right. And and in a lot of ways, they 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 become attached to that because they've touched upon it by in doing that activity, but right. then they start thinking that the activity itself is them. Or the divine attributes that are coming through them are them. Right. You know, like the super athletes that do amazing things and end up with these ginormous egos that eventually right. collapse in on They think that that, that higher case S that they are getting in touch with uh, is equivalent to the lowercase s in their normal everyday experience. Well, people yeah. forget that you're aligning with it. It's not you. Right. It is and it isn't. But you're kind of coming into it. Like you said earlier, you come into alignment with it. You know? Sure. It's, um, and when you do, it's flowing. See, the, the, the ego is that force that came in, like you said, in a, in a uh, almost like a defense mechanism type thing. Primal. Right. A primal, primal. defense yeah. mechanism yeah. to say, I'll protect you. This ability will protect you from the dangers of the physical surroundings and the physical world that you may encounter so that you can, you know, like you said, get out of the way of a predator or, or, or a falling boulder or something to that effect or know not to go uh, over the cliff, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, in an unsure or un unsafe way. It's doing the same thing now, even though the ego has expanded. It, and it, it's, okay, this is not my kind of music. I'm going to protect you. This is not my kind of art. Right. I'm going to protect. It's doing the same thing that it was planned, that its purpose was, but it's expanded and it's kind of almost taken over. Yeah. You know, it's 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 turned the flexibility of the mind into a concrete thing. This is mine. This isn't mine. No flexibility there. The servant or the tool has become the master. Is attempting to usurp the entire self and yes. keep it kind of imprisoned at a lower level of awareness because it says, it's basically saying to the individual, I've rescued you. I've allowed you to uh, survive this event and this event and this event. Right. And now I'm not going to just be relegated to a simple tool. I'm, I'm coming in here and I'm setting up shop and I'm taking over this place. Right. I'm not leaving, you know. Like a hammer, you know, a, a, a hammer is something you, you go and find when you need to drive a nail, you know, or you need to remove a nail, 
Okay? It's a tool. You pick it up. You do the action that you need it for, and then you put it down. Right. Well, the ego is the tool that we once may have done that with, but, but eventually we got so used to having it in our hand, and, and then eventually it like kind of gained a consciousness of its own and was, is saying, I direct the entire being. Right. I'm not, you're not going to put me down. You know, I'm going to start telling you what to do, and you're going to obey me. Sure, sure. The ego, it's like a catch-22. The ego protects through separation. Right. You know, it protects through separation. Now, we've talked about this before. We talked about how you can measure a concept or an idea based on the amount that it makes you feel united with all that is. That's right. Now, if something makes you feel separate, well, then it is not a good measure of truth. So you can measure truth based on how it unites or separates. I agree. The ego protects, but it separates. So it's illusionary in its very essence. Right. And a lot of people out there want that sense of protection. You know, there's su such in a fear-based modality of consciousness that they think that self-preservation is the highest level of consciousness. You know, in, in the satanic ideology, if you study um, the actual philosophy that Satanism puts forward, its highest law is self-preservation and survival. That is the number one thing that is kind of worshipped in the satanic ideal. And this is a, a, a dangerous ideology to begin to subscribe to in a very... Uh, uh, attached way, because you start to think that there is nothing higher than survival. Survival is not a bad thing. Wanting to survive is the goal of, you know, pretty much the, the base goal of all life. Of course, life wants to survive and propagate itself. But when you start getting into the idea that that's the highest level that you could ever aspire to, that self-preservation is the highest law, that it is the highest modality of consciousness, that, that definitely isn't true because there are, there are transcendent modes of consciousness that allow you to see ego is a tool. Survival, yes, you need it to propagate and have experience, but it certainly isn't the highest level of consciousness. But that whole concept of survival, and, and in the, in the, that only exists if you're not understanding the unbroken chain of life that is. Right. Because... Survive, I mean, there is no such thing as survival. It's another illusionary concept. Sure. There is an unbroken chain of life. There is no such thing as something surviving and something right. isn't. It is. The attachment, you are. the attachment with that level of awareness, of just survival, right. and that being all there is, or the highest thing that there is, comes from the fear of death. And... If you understand, like you just said, that the life is an unbroken chain, that's right. Yeah. You understand ultimately there is no death, right? You know, right? And uh, that that is what really that getting out of that existential mode of consciousness is what really will get you out of that fear mentality, and then get you to aspire to higher levels of consciousness than simply survival and ego identification. Well. I'm gonna, we're going to hold it right there for a, a few moments. We're coming up to the end of the first hour. Uh, usually what I do at this point is play the intro music for the second hour and reread the, uh, the event announcements since the, the show is broken up over two hours on uh, the Revolution Broadcasting Network. 
So we'll hold it right there, and in the second hour, we'll continue to flesh out these ideas about ego identification as one of the barriers to self-realization. So I'm Mark Passio. This is What on Earth is Happening. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. The network is revolutionbroadcasting.com. Be back shortly. Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. Welcome. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening. This show will discuss the topics of human consciousness, mind control, natural law, the occult, and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of Earth. What on Earth is Happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. We're back with our number two of What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. The show is live every Tuesday evening, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can catch it on Tuesday and Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. on revolutionbroadcasting.com. So... Before we get into a further discussion of the topic that we were talking about last hour, which was ego identification and ego attachment as one of the main barriers to true self-realization, I'm going to briefly read the event announcements one, one more time. I read the event announcements twice during the show because, again, this show is broken up into two hours uh, on Revolution Broadcasting Network. Uh, so for those listening on Thursday night, uh, the show isn't live on Thursday. It's uh, recorded on Tuesday and played on Thursday, the second hour. But I'll repeat the event announcements. Um, the first one is a free documentary showing that is going to take place in Philadelphia. I'm in the Philadelphia area, so I always uh, read event announcements that are coming up in uh, the re- region of the country where I am from to tell people about things that are going on in this area. So a free documentary showing Philadelphia at the Ethical Society Building, 1906 South Rittenhouse Square on Monday, June 21st at 7 o'clock p.m. It will be a, a showing of the documentary Generation RX followed by a discussion of the film. This is hosted by the great group 
uh, truth, freedom, prosperity. Great group of people really dedicated to solving the problems that affect those very issues. The problems that affect, affect human consciousness, that affect our understanding of truth in the world, that affect our freedom. So truthfreedomprosperity.org is their website. Uh, I'm a proud member of that group, and uh, it's, it's comprised of a bunch of great individuals, very committed individuals, and I suggest people go up to that website and uh, get involved, if, particularly if you're from the Philadelphia area. So that's the first announcement. Come out to these documentaries and discussions. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity to meet like-minded people and uh, bring some new people out. So let's try to bring some new people there, people that might need to hear um, these documentaries, see them and hear them, and uh, would benefit from a deeper understanding and uh, would, would get a lot of discussions that take place there after the documentaries are shown. Uh, guaranteed it's a good night and it's a great venue. The Ethical Society is a great building. So that's the first announcement. The second one, the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations. This is going to be the biggest conference in the Philly area on alternative energy and the need for a new energy paradigm. I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. The control of energy is the control of people. You want to understand how people are basically controlled through manufactured lack and through fear-based consciousness, you need to look no further than dependency on the, the, the so-called fossil fuels, oil, natural gas, coal, etc., and even so-called alternative methods of, of, of power, generation, and distribution. We need a true free energy model that Nikola Tesla had in development over 100 years ago. And that idea was squashed because it would level the playing field for humanity. And it would take control out of too many power brokers' hands. So the financial institutions of Tesla's day crushed his vision for a free energy paradigm. Here's the press release for this event. The Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations, Philadelphia, PA, July 9th, 10th, and 11th. The Tesla Science Foundation brings together scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts for a three-day conference highlighting the need for a new energy paradigm. This July in Philadelphia, the Tesla Science Foundation will be hosting a three-day conference and celebration to commemorate Nikola Tesla's legacy and world vision. Tesla was a brilliant inventor who lived during the turn of the 20th century. His innovations resulted in the implementation of alternating current. That is the technology which powers all of our electrical devices in our homes. Alternating current, radio. Tesla was the true inventor of radio. Marconi used many of Tesla's patents, and the patent office eventually overturned the grant of the patent for radio, which they originally awarded to Marconi and gave it to Tesla six months after Tesla's death. So Tesla is officially acknowledged as the modern inventor of radio. He invented the AC motor, wireless technology. All wireless forms of technology are based upon Tesla's original work with wireless and many other influential inventions that we now take for granted in the modern age. 
Tesla's vision to bring clean, free energy to the world through advanced wireless technologies was blocked by the financial and corporate interests of his time. Tesla had a way of distributing industrial strength power wirelessly with no, no copper wire infrastructure in the ground or, or littering the surface of the earth. Wireless transfer of industrial strength power, and this is what was blocked. Through, his event, the Tesla, through this event, the Tesla Science Foundation will bring together like-minded scientists, inventors, and enthusiasts who share the common goal of bringing Tesla's advanced energy technologies to fruition for the betterment of humanity. Folks, you've got to look up who Nikola Tesla was, what he tried to do, who shut him down, and what kind of a world this would be if Tesla had succeeded in his implementation of this advanced wireless energy distribution technologies technology and it can still come to fruition. We can still make it happen if we have the courage and the will to get involved and actually work toward that goal. The event schedule for the Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations in Philadelphia is as follows. July 9th from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. the Tesla birthday bash. Tesla was born on midnight between July 9th and 10th at midnight. This is at the Independence Visitor Center. They're going to have this birthday celebration where they're going to fire off many Tesla coils at midnight to celebrate Tesla's birthday. This is at 6th and Market Streets in Philadelphia, and this is free to attend. It's also free to attend the next day at the same location from 10 a.m. all the way up to 8 p.m., Pretty much the whole day, they're going to have people out there that are going to be showing different exhibits, handing out information. There'll be a, 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 an art, a participatory art there. Uh, uh, a couple of bands will be playing. This is July 10th, 8, uh, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., Tesla Fest. It's a Tesla festival on the lawn at Independence Visitor Center, 6th and Market Streets in Philadelphia. This event is also free to attend. Also free to attend, presentations and lectures at the Free Library of Philadelphia, 1901 Vine Street. These are going on the same day, July 10th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. This is geared toward Tesla enthusiasts who want to know more about the technology and, and innovations and practical applications. So these events are going on. Uh, the three events will be actually going on at the same time because they're geared for different levels of interest. The Tesla Fest event is just kind of a fun thing for people that may not know much about Tesla, may just want to get a little bit of information and have some fun and you know hear some music. Uh, the presentations and lectures are geared toward the enthusiast who already know a little about Tesla, want to know more, and want to hear some great presentations and lectures. The, the featured speakers thus far are Russell Anderson, Michael Kelly, Tatiana Militech, Michael Treat, Mano Davina, Michael Craner, and Brian Yetzer. Free to attend July 10th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Free Library of Philadelphia. A great lecture hall there that fits 400 people, and I hope we can fill all the seats. July 10th, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., a reception, dinner, and concert. This is at Arch Street Meeting House, 320 Arch Street. 
featuring the Divine Hand Ensemble, a classical ensemble built around the centerpiece of the electronic instrument known as the theremin, T-H-E-R-E-M-I-N, named after its inventor. Check out the theremin. Look it up. It's an incredible instrument, and we have a, a true aficionado playing the, the, uh, the uh, theremin instrument. His name is Mono Divina, and he is the conductor of the Divine Hand Ensemble. Check out their website, divinehand.net. Just absolutely beautiful music, and I think it'll, uh, it'll be a great capping of a great conference. The price on the uh, reception, dinner, and concert for the night of July 10th is yet to be announced. Uh, I, I can tell you that I believe it will be under $25 or, or around that price, which is great for uh, a wonderful night out with some great people. So um, the, the final portion of the conference is the scientific conference, the scientific lectures. This will be July 10th and 11th, two days, because this is the main crux of the conference overall, is getting these scientists together to start to work on actually creating recreating this technology, I should say, in a practical application. 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday, July 10th and 11th, at 2 Liberty Place, the scientific portion of the conference. 32nd floor of 2 Liberty Place, that's 1601 Chestnut Street. This will feature at least 10 scientific presentations geared toward the technically inclined. These will not be layman's presentations. Registration is required for this portion of the event, the scientific conference on July 10th and 11th. You can go to the Tesla Science Foundation's website to register for the scientific portion of the conference. And for more details, you can also go there to uh, read about the details of the conference. The website is www.teslasciencefoundation.org. That's teslasciencefoundation.org. And you can also join the Tesla Club Meetup group at ntesla.meetup.com slash 38. That's ntesla, N-T-E-S-L-A dot meetup dot com slash the number 3838. 38. So that's the event announcements. And uh, at that meetup site, you can get all of the uh, uh, announcements that this group does, all of the events that they put on. Okay, um, It's a great place to keep abreast of their activities and to uh, participate in discussions and to meet other people who are interested in the life and the works of uh, the great genius, the, the visionary inventor, Nikola Tesla. So those are the event announcements for this week. I'm going to jump right back into the topic of discussion and barring any calls, which I'd like to get some calls. Um, haven't had any for the last couple weeks, but I'll give the call-in number if anyone wants to call in and talk about anything. There are no taboo topics on this show. Uh, we don't sugarcoat anything on this show, in case you haven't noticed that. Um, this show is about hard truth. So call in, talk about whatever you like, ask any questions that you like. The call-in number is 347-884-9417. Once again, the call-in number, 347-884-9417.
In the previous hour, we were talking about the second barrier toward the realization of the true self. Because what we do on this program, ultimately, is we talk about causal factors. That's what this show is about. This is about understanding natural law principles and the causal factors in consciousness of what lead to the events that we experience, that manifest in our lives, and that we experience in the reality that we live in. That's what this show is about. You know, we can talk about the events that play out all we want. We can describe the so-called prison all we want. But until we understand how to attain and turn that key, good luck to us. We're not going to be making very much progress unless we understand what gets us what we have. That's ultimately what I attempt to do here in the, in the ideas that I put forth on this show and that's the understanding that I am trying to help people to. These are laws that are discovered. They're not invented by anybody. They're not ideas. They're not ideologies. And they are most certainly not beliefs. What I talk about here on this show are laws. Laws that exist within creation that we are bound by. And the only way to really truly discover them from the place in consciousness that we now find ourselves is to shatter the barriers that we ourselves have erected around us and around our consciousness. And they are put there by the institutions that are all around us. They are put there by the generations that have come before us. They are put there by the very system itself that we live under. It has a consciousness unto itself, a consciousness that is fed by those who have come before us and those around us now that subscribe to these belief systems who do not understand how natural law principles work, quite unfortunately. And quite unfortunately, they keep getting results that they do not wish to experience. This is why I do what I do, to try to help people alleviate self-inflicted suffering. And that's all intricately tied in with the notion of how do we free ourselves? Why aren't we truly free now in this expression of the physical world? Why do we experience the suffering that we do, the immensity of suffering that we do? So this is what we talk about on this show. And in the last hour, uh, myself and my guest, Walter Rhodes, a good friend of mine who is an explorer in consciousness and a seeker of truth, we're talking about the second barrier to self-realization, which is ego identification. And throughout the remainder of the show, we're going to flesh out ego identification even more and hopefully tie it in with the prison of the left brain, which is a unidimensional, time-bound way of seeing the world and ourselves in it that has to do with brain imbalance. And that's intricately interwoven with the idea of ego identification. So we will get back to that discussion, but before we do, I see we have a caller on the line, and I'm going to take the call now. Here we go. Hello, caller. You're on What on Earth is Happening? 
Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Eric G. from uh, up here in Doylestown. Eric, my friend, how are you, man? I, I, I want to tell everybody this. Eric is ultimately responsible for helping me get this show on this network. If I hadn't run into him at Germ Books in Philadelphia, during no less a Nikola Tesla-inspired event, uh, an art show with... Um, depictions of Tesla and his technologies and even future visions of what, you know, some parts of the world may look like if uh, we built some of this Tesla technology. I, uh, I, I was actually, you know, surprisingly enough, the curator for this event. I helped to uh, get a lot of these artistic creations painted and uh, got them into this gallery uh, with the help of Dave Williams from Germ Books uh, uh, in the Frankfurt uh, section of the city. Uh, I, you know, if you would have told me I would have curated an art exhibit 10 years ago, I would have laughed you out of the room. But nonetheless, that's what happened. That's where I met uh, this gentleman on the line here, Eric G. And um, we were talking about um, the philosophies that I discuss on my website and in my presentation. And uh, Eric said, hey, I can hook you up with some people that might be able to make a radio show happen for you, at least get you on as a guest on some of their shows. One thing led to another. I got on Bob Toskin's show, uh, Truth Be Told, and Bob said, I can make a show of your own happen. And uh, that's what b brought me uh, to this network. And uh, Eric, I am indebted to you uh, for that help. So thank you. And uh, go ahead and bring up what you called in about. Okay. Well, <laughs> before I get into what I called in about, um, going back to that Nikola Tesla that, um, sure. number one, the uh, pictures that they had on the walls were awesome. Just really cool, just amazing stuff that you, unless you see, you wouldn't even have a clue what it, what it would look like. Very like trippy, like a uh, visionary type prophet, almost like a, almost it has like a spooky element to it. It's very cool. But, um, you know, I listen to you talk about Nikola Tesla, right? And, you know, it's kind of an, a lot of people are into it, but it's kind of an, almost like an odd thing for someone to be in, right? So that's in the back of my head. I'm like, yeah, maybe this guy's a little too into Nikola Tesla. But, you know, then you have things like the oil spill. And, it, you know, as soon as yep. I saw the pictures from this thing, I said, you know, now you know, now I can see why Mark is obsessed with the Tesla thing. Because this, this is such a disaster that I, I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, it's just so bad. That if, Eric, if, if Nikola Tesla was able, Tesla was able to do this, we wouldn't have had this catastrophe. That's right. We were just talking about. Yeah, that. I'm really glad you're bringing that up because what is really going on right now in the Gulf of Mexico is our great mother, upon which we rely for our life and our existence is hemorrhaging. She is hemorrhaging profusely. What you're looking at when you see the red sheen on top of the waters of the Gulf isn't oil. It's blood. It's blood. That's what it is. And we have burst an artery, and now it's just bleeding out. And this is unacceptable. What makes us even think we have the right 
What makes us think we have the right to take oil in the quantities that we even do every day, every single day? And we're all complicit in it, including me. I need to drive different places. I drive a car. You know, I put gasoline in a car like everyone else does. I'm even complicit in it. I know how wrong the whole paradigm is. I know how much it needs to be changed. I'm doing something to try to get it changed. I'm involved. I spend my time. I promote it. I work with people. I help, I help talk with some scientists that, to try to get them to this transcendent level of consciousness to understand why they need to use their left brain genius in marriage with a spiritual understanding. That's my role in this organization. Why we need it so desperately now. We needed it so desperately 100 years ago, let alone now. Look at where we're at now. Ego identification is That's the right. answer. That's the answer to the question. We've separated ourselves so far that we feel like this whole thing yeah. is for us to, That's right. to explore do what we want yeah. to achieve our aims and whatever's whatever is going to happen. That's just an extension of the self-preservation. That's exactly right, Well, That's exactly it. We believe nature belongs to us and is ours to conquer and exploit. That's the overarching worldview. And the truth is, we, this nature is us. That's we right. Are we belong to it. We belong to nature. And we are this a part. Great month, right, right. We are a part of it. We belong in that holistic system. Mm -hmm. And we can't really look at ourselves as separate from it if we wish to prosper truly. Right. But many of us do, and we think that nature is inert. It's dead. It's, it's, it's purely a mechanized thing that is, is there for our exploitation and consumption. And it, that is not true, period. It is not true. And that's why th this has to do totally with how we're living in harmony, in disharmony with nature at the current time, this energy paradigm. It has to do with the control of the people of the earth and how these um, high-level financiers and people who control natural resources upon which people are now dependent for living on a day-to-day -day basis. If, if Tesla had succeeded in what he was attempting to do, the world would be so vastly different, so vastly different. The control mechanisms that are in place right now would not even be able to be in place to the extent to which they are it had Tesla succeeded in what he tried to do in an open and free way. And we wouldn't be raping the planet upon which we rely for life just so a few rich oil barons can continue to wield a monopoly over, over people. You know what it's almost like? It's almost like our hands get an elevated sense of self. And then it decides to start punching you in the face because yes. your hand thinks that it owns you, that yes. you are the carrier of him, and he can do what he wants. That's okay. kind of what we're doing at the planet. Totally ties in with this barrier towards self-realization. And the people who are screaming, yeah, it's all right, we can open up and drill more and more and more and more, look at, look at where it has gotten us. This is the worst ecological disaster in the history of humanity. And all self-inflicted and all unnecessary. And, and I, I want to bring up one more component that I know you'll probably appreciate, Eric. Let's not forget the occult aspect of this, because there's an occult aspect to this as well. Okay? I, I have a hard time even almost believing that this is just 
purely accidental. And you know, you can even make the argument, well, it may not be totally orchestrated and deliberate. Well, if it isn't that, then it's synchromystic. There's a synchronistic, mystical connection to how this happened, when it happened, okay? I lean a little bit more toward myself that this may have actually been a deliberate thing, okay, because of my former connections with the occult and my understanding of how deeply they are committed to ritual and repetition, okay? When did this event occur? When did it actually happen? Do you know the date? It was Earth Day. Okay, which is what date? Um, <clears throat> I don't remember. April 20th. April oh, 20th, okay, is right in the middle of what is known as the occult season of sacrifice. There's, a, there's an occult concept known as the season of sacrifice. This is the time of the year. It's one-ninth of the year long, okay? It's from the spring equinox, which is around May, I'm sorry, which is around March 20th to May 1st, okay? March 19, 2021 20, to May 1st, a 40-day time period, okay? This 40 days is when pagan traditions would offer some sort of a blood sacrifice to the earth to ensure a bountiful harvest from the sun because this time period during this 40 days is the beginning of the planting season. That's when you plant, when the sun has broken the northern hemisphere line and is starting to rise up from the uh, zero degree points at the equator that it makes with the earth and it rises up until it hits the summer solstice which is the highest point of the sun during the course of the year and that's that's the summer solstice which is around um, June 21st the midpoint of the season of spring is May 1st that's called Valpurgisnacht or in older traditions it's called Beltane named after the sun god that the Phoenicians called Bel. So Beltane is May 1, okay? The 40-day time period between the spring equinox and May 1st was known as the season of sacrifice. Ancient pagans believed you offered a sacrifice to the earth in the form of blood, and the sun god would be appeased by this sacrifice and thereby ensure a bountiful harvest. Well, they did this on Earth Day the day of the goddess, Gaia. Sacrifices of the goddess are performed during this 40-day time period. What also happened during that 40-day time period is mass ritual sacrifices, like Columbine High School was done during this 40-day period. Okay? It's named after the goddess, Columbia. Kalum, the dove. The goddess is associated with the symbolism of the dove, as Isis was in the ancient Egyptian tradition. Okay? I know we're sidetracking into some esoteric and occult and mystery school um, astrotheology and, and um, occult principles, but 
it, it is directly interwoven with this event that we're witnessing because I don't believe it's accidental. This is a, a sacrificial ritual. It was done during the season of sacrifice. It is an attack on the goddess, Gaia, the earth goddess. And it is related with blood. Oil is the life blood of Mother Earth. Mm. It's, it, that's what it flows in the earth's veins and arteries. This isn't something we should be messing with at the level we're messing with it. We need to harness the wheel work of nature around us, not exploit, take, and burn the, the blood. We are taking and burning the blood of the mother that we rely upon. That's what we're doing. If to anybody that understands what oil is at any kind of a deeper level of consciousness, we don't have the right to do this. We need a new energy paradigm yesterday. It, it, it may already be too late, man. What we're witnessing, I don't even know whether we, we have the capacity to stop it. You know, I don't even know whether our technology that we're going to use to try to cap this thing is going to work. And who knows what that's going to mean. Look at how many species are going to be endangered by this. Look at how many animals are already dead as a result, washing up on shore. Look at the NASA photos. Look at the flyovers, which the ma mainstream media won't even show you on YouTube. Check those out, okay? But look at the NASA photos from satellites. This is the worst disaster. The, 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 the high-level flow estimates are upwards of 70 to 80,000 barrels a day. That's like 5 million gallons of oil. This is like 10 Exxon Valdez's a day, if those estimates are correct. This, this is bigger than anyone can even conceive. Look at some of the flyovers. You'll get a slight picture of it, but I don't even know if that does it justice. Check out the satellite photos, and then you'll really gain a better perspective of how big this really is. And this is going to come probably, sadly, come right up the eastern seaboard, man. I can't see it not doing that, you know? I'm not trying to look at it extraordinarily negatively and say, oh, there's no hope, but nothing like this should have been allowed to occur. So it's, it's very sad. There is an occult aspect to it. This happened on Earth Day, but it was also Adolf Hitler's birthday. 420 is the birthday of Adolf Hitler as well, right in the middle of the occult season of sacrifice. Another sacrifice, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech happened during that 40-day time period in, in April, okay? And it's named after the goddess, the Virgin, Virginia. You can, you can go on and on, you know? I had a list of them someplace. I think I listed these all on my Facebook page one time, and I posted an image related uh, about the season of sacrifice. And then I listed a whole bunch, and other people chimed in with other great ones that I didn't even think of. So, I mean, it's not, I don't believe that it's accidental. And as we progress with this show, believe me, we will get, we haven't talked much about it yet. We will go deeply into occult ideologies. We will go deeply into both dark occult ideologies and into very powerful, positive occult philosophies. And um, this is the perspective that I really discovered what I now understand through my involvement with many different occult groups and organizations. And um, 
we will be getting deeply into the occult on this show in future shows. So, Eric, I really thank you for bringing up the oil spill because it is something that we really have to look at and we have to face. We have to face with courage and realize this is something that should be unacceptable to all of us. And there's not enough outrage about it. There is not enough outrage about it because the mainstream media is locking down the information, not telling anybody the real extent that this has gone to. And there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. What are we in, the 28th day of it now, 29th day? It's almost a month, you know? It's crazy. You know, I can't even believe that, you know, uh, every time, like, I used to hear the talk about offshore drilling, I always thought, like, you know, like, what if something goes wrong? Because they always put such a positive spin on it, like, oh, you know, we've got the technology to do it. And I always thought, like, you know, what if something goes wrong? And, you know, the Gulf of Mexico is such an ecologically just just so important. And and, yeah. and they got these things everywhere, and there's so much oil in the Gulf of Mexico. It's it's really mind blowing. I mean, it's just that's why they can't stop this thing. I mean, there is so much oil. The pressure is just unbelievable. Kapoor, think of like uh, a fire hydrant. I mean, this thing is like it's got to be like a thousand fire hydrants. I mean, this thing is the amount of pressure pouring out of this thing yeah. must just be incredible. And, Absolutely. Uh, who do, I mean, how could they, I mean, look, even if you're greedy, if you're just a really greedy person, you run an oil company, even for, wouldn't you think from a greedy perspective, you would want to be careful so that you can keep making money? Right. Now, people, this, I think this is really going to, if we do fix this, this is definitely going to cause uh, an energy revolution in the world, I think. Hey, Eric, don't. Don't underestimate the psychopathic tendencies of these people, especially when they come into con confrontations and competitions among themselves, how quickly some of them may say, well, if I can't have it all, I'm overturning the chessboard, you know? I'm going to smash uh, yeah. the game board, you know? I've met, you know, I've met... I've met I, and, you know, I might not have believed you if I haven't met so many people that would actually do something like that. I mean, it's right. just incredible. There is some mentally ill people, and and that might be a possibility. Yeah. Who knows? But this is just terrible. And uh, and then, you know, props to you for being ahead of the curve and realizing how important this is. And Mark, I really, I really love you to death, man. You, you're a great guy, and... You know, I had to get you this radio show because what you've got to say is so important. And maybe you don't have the audience right now because you're just getting started. And but you know, these these MP3s, these podcasts you have, yes. they're going to live on. And, yes, uh, they are. And um, there's a lot of important information that you're getting out to people. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna grow this audience. We're gonna make this show a lot more popular because you're the guy to get it done, man. I really believe in you a lot. And, uh, and also, we're going to announce. We're also going to announce that Mark Pasha is going to be here in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, the first Friday of June, uh, at 55 East State Street, which is right in front of the Masonic Hall at 7 p.m. And uh, Mark, I'm going to get. I'm going to be off of work that night, so I will be joining you. And uh, I promise to take. I, I Mark have. I have a little. I have a little word association game planned for people out there. We'll have some fun out there, and people will learn a couple of things. 
Oh, it's so. going to be a great time. Be a good time. Yep. And um, your Eric, friend that's on the show tonight. What's that? Yes, he, well, he, Walter Rhodes. Yes. Hey, Walt, if you can come out first Friday, man, I'd love to. I'd love to uh, meet up with you. Well, of course you're welcome. Absolutely. absolutely. So, uh, if I can make it, I'm going to get Eric, going. I, now. I thank you. I thank you so much for your vote of confidence, and I, I, I want to thank you for your work as well because I know how active you are, and uh, you know that's the spirit that we need, man. It's never enough, Mark. Yep. Well, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you later. Eric, thanks so much for calling in. Take care. I'll try to call in next week. Take care. All right, man. Bye-bye. Great call by Eric G. Uh, Again, I'm indebted to him for helping me uh, secure this show and uh, and get on this network. You taking another call? There was another caller, but it looks like they hung up. Um, Again, if you're going to call in, please be patient. Realize we do have some other callers. Also, you know, I may not see the call immediately on the switchboard when it comes up, so be a little bit patient. Uh, I'll give the call-in number again. Anybody else wants a call? I'll try to make your calls a priority, you know, even though I have an outline here that we kind of generally loosely follow and want to get to the topics. But if there's a caller, I try to take that uh, as soon as I see it. And I do glance over at the switchboard, uh, you know, many times through this show, so... Um, just be patient and hold on if you call in. The call-in number is 347-884-9417. 347-884-9417. So unless anybody else calls in, uh, Walt and I will uh, continue to ride out the remainder of the show with uh, discussing ego identification and ego attachment. I so, question, yes, okay. Um, I'm thinking about this, why, you know, that was going on. If it's true that everybody has ego attachments, um, that that's part of um, childhood and adolescent development, mm-hmm. building uh, ego itself. Yes. Wouldn't it, would it, do you think it would be true to say that people, the majority of a lot of people have a lot of negative ego attachments that disempower them? Yes. It would be very fair to say that. There's a majority yes, of that, which disempowers people. And that's the aspect I'd like to talk about now, particularly a couple of aspects. So real quick, before yes. you go on to that, so if, if that is there, yes, what would you do to balance that? What I was thinking is create an egoic view that is positive, that is the other pole of that negativity that disempowers. Because you can pick ego attachments that empower. Yeah. Now you're going to balance this. There's going to be a balance to this. And then you may be able to transcend that apparent polarity that neither the negative is true or the positive is true all the time. Well, people want good health. There's one that really can, can appeal to people. Everybody has a physical body. Yeah, nobody focuses on sickness. They right. don't focus on health. Right. So they focus on sick. There's that positive pole, though. Right. If you can explain to people what generates good health, people will naturally want to gravitate toward that because um, they want to feel good in the body. You so, know, so they don't cre- want to be sick. So create a, a positive illusion for yourself to balance the negative so that you can't transcend it all. And that's a good approach 
The barrier to that approach is something we won't be getting into too much today, but the barrier to that approach is the constant bombardment of mind control against people through the media, through the education system, right. you know? How many people don't even know? Tesla, there's an example. You're, you're explaining to people, hey, would you like to be able to have free energy? Mm-hmm. How many people wouldn't want to pay an electric bill? Well, well even a water bill, because you could pro- arguably eliminate having to bring water into your house. If you had unlimited electricity, you could pull water from the atmosphere with an atmospheric water generator. Sure, sure. Okay. I, I mean, but I think... But not, not having those bills is a way of appealing to ego, right? Yeah. It's difficult even to reach people at that level because they've been shut down at a level of imagination. What they don't really believe is that anything different is possible. They are actually of the opinion that it's always been this way, it is this way now, and it will forever be okay, this well, way. Then we're that's joking. the definition of mind control. That's a later right. topic. So the first thing, the first thing that people have to do is identify their negative ego attachments that are dis- disempowering right. them. Right. Identify them first. You at least recognize that they're present at all. Recognize them, identify them, and then start developing things to balance them so that you can... It's like a drug addict. What's the first step? Stop denying that you have a problem. Yeah, but you have to at least recognize right. that you well, have yeah, a yeah. problem. That's an excellent example because drug addicts, what do they do? They, they run around doing drugs, doing drugs, right. ruining their life. Right. Then they choose a quote-unquote positive ego attachments in the programs. Sure. Right? So then sure. they get all wrapped. That's like a positive obsession to balance the negative obsession. Right. So now they're all in a, all the time, morning, noon, and night, and that balances. It even becomes a culture unto itself with friends and but, a music right, scene and right. you know, a then, whole lifestyle. But then the yeah. attachment, the attachment that people get to that, 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 that their programs, right, turns it into a negative thing. It initially was positive. But the attachment to it sure. makes it negative because and those programs don't develop self-discipline. Right. They and develop. eventually, what starts to happen? The body starts to break down. You know, different diseases will, will come in. You know, they'll they'll uh, completely neglect other aspects of their lives, like totally. their job, children, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, other relationships. Any imbalance or or obsession leads to. A breakdown, right? Some sort. And that's what we're seeing now, all Absolutely. across the earth, in every area, in, in all aspects of life. Absolutely. Because we're attached to ego identification. And the other aspect to this that I, I was starting to say that I want to get into is what really demonstrates the ego more than anything else are two actual aspects. This is the inability to admit to oneself that one is wrong. It's the inability to say to oneself, or the admission to the universe, if you will, I was wrong about this. That is what deep entrapment, deep attachment to the ego will never allow. It will never allow those three words to be spoke to be spoken. Mm-hmm. And I cannot even tell you how many times in my life I've had to speak those words. How hard is it to get a tyrant to admit they were wrong? <laughs> <laughs> how hard is it to get an addict to admit that they are wrong? Mm-hmm. That's addicted to anything. Right. How how hard is it to, to get somebody that 
Their entire worldview is based upon that they know this particular thing. I know that this is true for certain. It can't be untrue. That would shatter my entire reality. That inflexibility makes it null and void. Yeah. That totally, 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 it makes it irrelevant. The inflexibility. Now, there may be some truth to it, but no truths are whole truths. Everything is a half truth. And you have to be flexible in that knowledge, no matter what we're talking about. Does that make sense? Religion and government are great, big examples. But that, that does make sense. L let's look at it from a perspective of people who absolutely trust religious institutions and right. think that they're always doing good things. Right. You know? Not only are they doing bad things by propagating the misunderstanding and misapplications of natural law principles or not understanding them themselves, uh, look at what goes on in, in sexual encounters and relationships, inappropriate well, and trauma. And like that distance for what? For people for life. Sure. For the rest of the, the Tra traumatic experiences. Yeah. But how many people who go to church on a regular basis, let's say, and supports the Roman Catholic Church, are cannot admit this institution is involved in activity like this, in poisonous activity like this, in, in traumatic activity that is affecting children. It doesn't matter how many documentaries are produced about it. It doesn't matter how many books are written about it. You know, they can't bring themselves to admit this is happening. This level of evil, ego, evil is happening in their midst. The ego prevents them from looking at that. You know, <clears throat> they, they insist that this cannot be true because I'm a member of it. You know, I see this every day. You see a teacher who will say, the educational system can't be as bad as what you're claiming it to be. It can't harm children at the level that you're claiming it harms them at. Because I'm a teacher. I'm involved. I do this for a living. You're saying I'm a bad person. Who are you challenging the fundament that she built herself from? That's right. That's, the, that's that person's identity. Yeah, yeah. He or she will see themselves as that teacher, which goes back to this first aspect of ego identification, which is attaching to the role that you play, right. as opposed to understanding the higher self. When in actuality, that teacher, that example, should have thanked that person for making that comment. Because that person revealed to her the level of her attachment to that idea. It's just, it's important to have people around you that do that, that show you how much you're wrapped up sure. in your own stuff. stuff. That's right. But it, it, this also ties in with institutionalized belief systems, which are very powerful. Yeah. It's the same thing that people can't get past. They can't say, I was wrong. I believed this formerly. I once believed that the government was there to truly protect us and take care of us, and it cared about us, and it wouldn't do anything at a, at a deep level to really create harm just so it could prop profit from it or, or prosper in ways that it wants or take more control. This is ego. The ego is the force that keeps people from that admission, that keeps people from looking at what's really there, at the truth, what actually has transpired, the wave functions that actually have collapsed to create the events that have already played out, which we call the past, Amen. up to the present moment. They're den in denial of that even though that's reality and can never be changed. It's what is. Those wave functions did collapse. They did create events in the present moment, in all the former present moments that we now call the past. Mm -hmm. okay? 
and things are a certain way. They do exist as a certain series of events. But people who are in deep levels of ego attachment, they want to say, oh no, it isn't that way. I deny that. I deny that that is actually what took place. I deny that this is the, the condition that is actually our present moment that is a result of those things. Right. And that's called denial of reality. And we talked about, you know, the name for that condition is called cognitive dissonance. It's deliberately lying to oneself, even though the evidence is all around you. You know, cognitive dissonance. It's a deep psychological lack of self-acceptance. Right. Exactly. That's what it is. It's a deep psychological lack of self-acceptance. Refusal to accept the truth is refusal to accept right. itself. Right. They're one and the same. It's what is. Right. You refuse to actually accept what is. And, and, and acknowledge that, yes, this is the actual truth of what is taking place. Mm -hmm. Instead, people want to put their head in the sand, and they want to say, oh, no, that's not happening. You know, it's like a, a cancer patient that's withering away with some deep terminal cancer and is in, still in deep denial and saying, oh, no, I don't have cancer. You know, I don't, I, I don't believe that that's the case. You know, or, you know, an alcoholic is a perfect example. Drinking themselves in, into a, a, a coma, practically. You know, all their relationships are destroyed. They're, they're jobless or homeless. But I don't have alcoholism. You know, I, I'm not an alcoholic. You know, I just like I just like to drink every now and again. But I don't have a real problem. I have it under control. It's you know, it's okay. You know? <laughs> that's where we're at collectively. And ego attachment is what keeps us there. It's the inability to admit that we are wrong about something. So what do we have to admit? We're wrong. Got to recognize that there's a problem at all. I first, first. then admit you're wrong. Then admit you were wrong about the former worldview that you once held. And, and again, acquire I think more. I had to do this, I'd say, about 250, 300,000 times. Right. And then acquire <laughs> a worldview that is uniting instead of separating. Right. Right. And then, well, and then what? Well, you were talking about how do you do that? How do you even search for that? You know, how do you go about getting that if you're in a, in a kind of a cornered position where you've separated from that so long you don't even know what that thing looks like or how it works? You, right. you have no knowledge of it. And this is the second part of ego attachment that I think we, you know, we, we took a walk earlier before the show, and I started bringing up this, this notion. This is the, the, the side of ego that thinks it already knows everything, okay? And, and I would never, ever, ever make that statement that I know everything, that I know the totality of creation and the mind of God. No one does. There's always more to understand. There's always more knowledge to acquire and know. But I don't think it means you can, you, you don't, you can never admit that you do know what you already have come to understand. There's nothing wrong with admitting you understand 2 plus 2 equals 4, because it does. That's the truth. You can understand the acceleration due to gravity in the Earth's field, right. in the Earth's gravitational field. This is a law you can come to know. Yeah, yeah, you can I mean, understand karmic principles. Yeah, but you're never going to understand the totality of it, but that shouldn't stop you from pursuing an empowering truth. Right, that's correct. So it, it's a basic fundamental principle. No, no one is saying that they can come to know the totality of the mind of God. Right. That's not what's being claimed here. Right. What ego attachment keeps people in is this notion that they already know everything they need to know to get by in life. 
They don't need to acquire any more knowledge. They never actually say the other three extremely empowering and important and powerful words. I don't know. You know, to say I was wrong is the most powerful thing that I think can ever be uttered from a human mouth, making an apology. Because you're admitting you were in a place of ignorance, you're coming from a place of not lack of understanding, and now you're saying, I now have at least the, 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 the consciousness to say that, is, that was not the truth. And I held on to it, I was attached to it, and now I'm saying I'm not, no longer attached to that. I was wrong. But the next thing that has to be said is I don't know. I'm aware of what level I don't understand. And that's the only way you start moving upward in consciousness and in knowledge. The beginning of all knowledge starts with the utterance, I don't know. And that sounds like a negative statement, but it's an extremely empowering and positive statement. Right. No, no, absolutely. Because once you realize that these... These ego attachments aren't you. Well, you have to start to question, well, who am I then? Right. And if your first response after clearing away the crap isn't, I don't know who I am. That's right. Well, then you're not starting from the right point. Absolutely. That's, that's a perfect I don't know way. who I am is the perfect way to start. Right. I yeah. don't know. And that's the perfect way of putting it. You have to empty out. It, it's been said uh, in different teachings it's very difficult, if not impossible, to fill a glass that has already been filled. Right. Until space is made and certain negative uh, tendencies and attachments are cleared away, you can't make space for something new to come in. Right. And that begins with the process. Okay, I was wrong about that. I am willing. I have the will to let go of that now. But... I want to know now. Right. And I realize I don't know. Then the next step is, well, who do you listen to? Where do you go? You go to people that have changed their lives through the understanding of, what, of the knowledge you want to acquire. So you don't go to people who are still trapped in deep levels of self-inflicted suffering. You go to people that are pretty much at peace with themselves because they've come to understand who they are, and they don't inflict suffering upon others. But you are very careful and not um, signing up for a new world view. Right. You know, so, yeah, you're going to people who have changed and who have sure. made that transition, but you don't acquire a new world view from them. You have to be careful not to, you know, you not, know. not taking it on faith or belief from them. Right. What you would do is learn how they did it, right. how they changed themselves, and then follow along in that basic general methodology. Like an outline right. and you're right. filling in. Exactly. Right. It's like, you know, you want to understand how to make great tasting food. You wouldn't go to somebody that can't boil water. You'd go to a master chef and try to study under them. Right. It's the same thing. It isn't turning that person into a guru and saying that, oh, you're my intermediary between the divine. No, no, no. It's like, right. it's like when, when in, in sports, you play with people. You play with the best people out there because they will bring you up to their level. level. Correct. You will be pulled up to that level. So That's right. Surround yourself with people that are above your level. Keep the bar high continually reach. Yep. And eventually... You'll get it. Now, hand in hand with that, before we close up, I just have to allude to this because we'll be talking about this in future shows. 
the thing that keeps people from even developing the desire to get out of that base modality of consciousness and ego identification is the constant bombardment of your, your powerlessness. You're your, your powerless. You can't do it. And that's called mind control. Right. And you know it's a big mind control technique that I just kind of just dawned on me the other day? Guilt. Sure. Media-induced guilt. That's right. It's Mother's Day. What are you going to buy for your mom? It's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. All good sons and daughters buy their mother's presents. Right. It's Mother's Day. Well, that's a mind control technique that's pushed via the media to get you to purchase. Absolutely. Now, that's so insidious. Now We have have 30 seconds left in the show. Unfortunately, Walt, I'd like to have you back on in a future show, but we're totally running out on time here. Uh, We're going to have to wrap it up for this week. That's a great point that you brought up there about guilt. We'll be talking about mind control in future weeks. For now, we're going to wrap it up. I'm Mark Passio. I've been here with Walter Rhodes. This evening, this is What on Earth is Happening. See you next week.